Glory to God. Could you help me this morning in the presence of the Lord and tell your, your neighbor, I'm getting ready for better. I'm getting ready for better. If you're from the USA, you would say better. If you're from England, you'd say better. If you're from South Africa, say better. <laughs> I'm just kidding, amen. I want to talk this morning about how to make successful transitions. How to make successful transitions. There's an interesting case study of someone who was generally successful in making major personal transitions. His name is David. From shepherd to giant killer. From giant killer to soldier. From faithful soldier to psalmist in the courts of Saul from psalmist to outlaw running away from Saul from an outlaw to a leader of vigilantes from a leader of vigilantes to a leader of mighty men from a leader of mighty men to king of Judah and from king of Judah to king of Judah and Israel. Can someone say transitions? I don't know of a better case study of a person that has gone through transitions than David. Um, there are many case studies where people have gone through transitions in the Bible. But none as different as um, many as David and this main failure we know the failure of David was really a result I want to say of him failing to make the final transition from a general of war leading from the front lines of battle to a king who led from the throne. Uh, his sudden ceasing from going to battle at the time when kings went to battle, I want to say, created a vacuum of sudden inactivity. Here's a person who was living off of the adrenaline of battle. The Bible says Saul slew his thousands, but David slew his tens of thousands. If you were to be able to analyze the chemical process that would happen in David when he went to battle, it would go off the scales of what it would mean for a man to kill 10,000 people in one day. The amount of adrenaline and energy uh, with the anointing of the Holy Spirit that would soar through his veins for him to take heads off and limbs off and leave a field of dead Philistines and enemies of God behind him. This man was used to action. Suddenly he decides, I'm staying home. Today I'm going to be a king. <laughs> the men have gone to battle. His captains, his generals have armed themselves, oiled their shields, sharpened their swords. He's seen them salute and march off to take the enemy. And David is left alone in the palace what to do I want to believe that it created a vacuum a vacuum he was not ready for 
I want to say to you, this vacuum of sudden inactivity led to the temptation of the sin of adultery and murder with Uriah's wife Bathsheba. He failed to handle the inevitable transition properly. Eventually, he'd have to stop fighting. Eventually, he couldn't go out to battle. Age would not allow him at some point. Eventually, he'd have to lead his army from the throne and leave the fighting to younger men. But he didn't make the transition properly. He did it too suddenly. He wasn't ready. And his eyes wandered. The word transition from the Oxford Dictionary is the process or a period of changing from one state or condition to another. Can you say transition? Now the process of birth is the traumatic transition from nine months in the womb to live independently outside the womb. It's a transition. We transition from childhood to being a youth. We transition from singleness to married life. It's a major transition. Some people don't do it well. Some people fail to make the transition between singleness and marriedness. Someone say transitions. Changing jobs. Schools. Careers. Are big transitions. Am I talking to somebody here today? Moving house. How many people have moved house? Many, many times. It's a big transition. Matter of fact, some research was made about the most stressful things in the world. I think you know this. The first one was a death. I believe the second one was a divorce. And the third one, the most stressful thing you can experience is moving house. We have done it too many times that I can care to tell you. That's a lot of funerals. <laughs> There's a lot of divorces in the sense of stress. Thank God we're in no funerals, no divorce. Amen. But changing churches is a very big transition. Changing from a casual dating relationship to courtship is a big transition. Moving from salaried employment to entrepreneurship is a huge transition. Becoming single again after being married is a massive transition. Whether by divorce, whether by, by death, you know, bereavement. There's another major transition that's moving into being a mother or a father. That's a huge transition, I know. Entering middle age. Is a significant transition. As well as entering the senior life or retirement. Someone say transitions. Mm -hmm. Beloved, our lives are really ongoing stories of transitions. They really are. When you think about your life, I know there are high places and high points. And I went there and I did that. But really life is lived in transitions. The high places are, are there, but they're not that many in terms of how much time they occupy. We are constantly leaving one chapter behind and while moving on to the next one. And transitions are challenging. Yes, they are. They're challenging. They're not easy. But not easy. Hmm. Moving from one house to another, one job to another, whatever transition it is, it's, it's challenging. 
I'm going to give you a quotation by Kristen Armstrong. We'll get into the word. Times of transition are strenuous, but I love them. They are an opportunity to purge, rethink priorities, and be intentional about new habits. We can make our new normal any way we want. I think that's a good one. Now, how we handle transitions, beloved, defines the outcomes of our lives. How we handle transitions. Life is not straight. It's not a straight road. If you're going to drive from here to Harare, and I've done that trip before, by road, many years ago, there's a lot of turns. Doesn't matter where you're going to go. You're going to go to Bulawayo. You're going to go to Mbabane, Swaziland. You're going to go to Maseru. You're going to drive anywhere, any, even around the corner. There are going to be turns. I found out when I learned to drive, it's easy to drive when the road is straight. <laughs> it's the corners that you have to learn how to negotiate. If you can't handle the corners, my friend, you need to go back to driving school. Because it's the corners, the bends in life, the, the turns, the unexpected. Those are the things that many times tax us and, and demand more from us than just stepping on the gas and boom, down you go the road. Transitions are bends in life. You have to slow down. You'll see a sign saying 60 kilometers an hour, sharp bend to the left. And if you're not ready for that transition, you are going off that road. So you have to slow down. You have to plan and think, what speed am I going? What traction do I have? What are the weather conditions? What's the condition of this car? What traffic is ahead of me? And make the transition and keep going. If you're to get where you are going. Someone say transitions. Tell you never, but be careful of transitions. Because that's where accidents happen. So how we handle transitions defines the outcome of our lives. You can succeed in one transition and not do so well in another. So we have to know, how do we handle transitions? So first of all, this is what we need to do, is acknowledge it. Acknowledge it. This is a transition. Recognize it. Transitions are inevitable. Because change is inevitable. You will get older. Granted. <laughs> Don't fool yourself. <laughs> you will have to make a transition from one stage of life to another. Time will not wait for anybody. Transitions have to be made. Changes. Are you, am I talking to somebody? Okay. Uh, it's inevitable. Accept it. Acknowledge it. Ecclesiastes 3 verse 1. Ecclesiastes 3 verse 1. To everything there is a season, a time for every purpose under heaven. I want us to underscore every. There's a time for every purpose. Everything has its time. And then he goes on. A time for this and a time for that. There's a time for childhood. There's a time for teenage. There's a time for adulthood. There's a time, there's a space for everything. There's a time to study. There's a time to be working. There's a, are you following what I'm saying? Everything in life has its time. We cannot say, I don't have time or opportunity. Charles Darwin, now I don't believe in his evolution, but he made an interesting um, quote. He said, it's not the strongest species that survive, not, nor the most intelligent, but the ones most responsive to change. Now, I think he's right there. 
is the ones who are flexible enough to turn the steering wheel when it's time to turn, to put on the brakes when it's time to put on the brakes, to change down the gears when it's time to ch- slow down when it needs to slow down, accelerate when it needs to accelerate, stop when it needs to stop. The people that are just going to keep on going in denial of the change of terrain will be casualties in life. So, acknowledge it. Learn to identify seasons of transition. Am I talking to somebody? Yeah, sometimes transitions can sneak sneak up on you. They can sneak up on you. and We're not ready for them. Well, I just had a baby. Now here comes a second one. I just adjusted to the first one. I don't know if I'm ready for the second one. Uh, you hear what I'm saying? Uh, I, I just got this job and now I'm transferred to another department. I've just adjusted to this one. Now I need to make another adjustment. Sometimes transitions can sneak up on us. So David's moral failure was because he failed to prepare for his new season. A transition demands that something must change within us in order to create and embrace a new normal. When I was single, it was my normal. Once we got married, we had to build a new normal. Once children came, we had to create another normal. Are you following what I'm saying? Someone say a new normal. Yes, a new normal. The problem with the children of Israel, beloved, is that they became stuck in transition. In the wilderness. If you were to analyze it on a psychological level... Uh, I would say to you, yes, they had unbelief and they grumbled, they murmured, all that. But what was behind that grumbling? What was behind that murmuring? I'll tell you what it was. They were not ready to leave Egypt. It was imposed upon them when Moses came up and went to Pharaoh and told Pharaoh, let my people go. And the people of Israel like, what's going on? Wait, 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 wait. Well, Moses, what's happening? We're leaving? How, what's go- how are we going to? I'm already. Go where? How? You know there's a Red Sea, right? And they were not ready psychologically. And whenever we're ripped away from something we're not ready to leave, we tend to drag it with us. So when a young person is not ready to leave his childhood, he'll take it with him. You have a 40-year-old teenager. Whenever we're not ready and we're forced to make a transition, we try to take it with us. And the children of Israel did not enter in because they did not recognize this is a season of transition. In the wilderness, that is the opportunity now to make the internal changes to get ready for a new normal. So this is a huge thing, beloved huge for all of us they remained in denial they remembered the leeks and the garlics they remembered all the things of of Egypt because they were just taken out overnight after the floods they were told slaughter a lamb put the blood on the post and like oh whatever and they put the blood on the post so by the way go and get uh, uh, gold and silver and jewelry from your neighbors okay and they went to get the and remember they told Pharaoh we're coming back that was what the PR campaign was the real deal was they weren't coming back tell your neighbor I ain't going back get the message we're not going back and so they were taken away out of Egypt on an 
atmosphere of a vacation. And they left with all their children, their sheep, their goats, and oh, look at this. And then the Red Sea, oh, Moses. And then, and then Pharaoh's chasing and all that. Wow, the sea opens. Okay. And they cross over to the, and then now they're in the wilderness. And now, where's the water, Moses? Didn't you plan this? Huh? Where's the food? Come on, Moses. Surely you're a leader. You must think about these things. And Moses brings out water from the rock. Manna comes out of heaven. All of this. Are you getting the picture? But at no point do you see the children of Israel embracing the fact in the wilderness that there's going to be a new normal now. In the back of their minds, they're still in Egypt. I'm married, but I'm still single in my mind I'm an entrepreneur but I still want the security of a job huh? I am now in my middle years but I still want to be a teenager or whatever the case might be and, and this, is, this is where they got stuck I declare we are coming unstuck in the name of Jesus wherever we've been stuck in Jesus name Acknowledge that there's a beginning and an end to every season in life. Acknowledge that. Number two, prepare yourself for it. Prepare yourself for it. Equip yourself with knowledge and new skills for the stage you are entering into. Are you hearing me? Prepare yourself. Hmm? Boy, you hear a truck going down the highway and there's a bend turning, there's a, an exit. You hear the engine. It's transition. It's preparing. It hasn't come to the corner. Tell your neighbor, prepare. Prepare. Because we're losing nobody. No one's going to go flying off. Hmm? <laughs> this is what Socrates said. The secret of change is to focus all your energy not on fighting the old, but on building the new. I think that's some profound quotation. The secret of change is to focus all your energy not on fighting the old, but on building the new. So practically, what does that mean? It means expose yourself to successful models of where you are going. Expose yourself to successful models of where you are going. We go to Bishop Tryon's uh, church in Durban, New Covenant Fellowship. Uh, we go to other churches, CFCI. We went to Potter's House in Dallas, Texas. We went to Houston, Texas, to Lakewood Church. We went there. Why, why did we go to these places? Well, it's more than just the fact that we want the Word. You can get the Word online. It's because we want to expose ourselves. What does it feel like? What does it look like? What is it like to speak to have a congregation of 70,000 people on a Sunday morning? What are the ushers like? How easy is it to find a parking spot? How do they receive offering with 70,000 people and have it done in seven minutes? Okay? Exposure. I think that exposure is one of the highest forms of education. Yes, it is. I'm telling you right now, people who have traveled and been exposed to more mentally are way ahead of people who have not had the privilege of traveling. I don't want to digress and, and, and talk about South Africa, but I want to say this in passing. I really believe one of the reasons why there are these xenophobic tendencies. I don't believe it's everybody. And I don't believe it's really a South African problem. I think it's some people. But if you analyze those people, you'll find one thing in common. They have not traveled. 
They've never left the country. They don't know what it's like to be in another country. To be a foreigner. They don't know. Because if they did, they'd be different. Someone say exposure. I want to challenge you that you expose yourself to your next level. I want to challenge you, even if you could go to KFC and spend your 300 rands, 400 rands, whatever, and feed your family. I want to challenge you, go to a five-star hotel. Go to the restaurant. Order a starter. And a drink. Because you're not there because of hunger. You want to feel the exposure. See, and when you are exposed, there's no going back. You cannot be unexposed once you've been exposed. You see, this is Gallagher State. We were here for four years. Four. There were curtains over there, windows over there. And we had a different arrangement. This room was bigger. It actually is another side over there. And we, we have worshipped in every kind of hall in this place. Why does the Lord give us exposure? Our offices were right over there. Our offices were here in Gallagher. Five star. It's because what you expose yourself to becomes a prophecy of where you're going. It lifts up your standard of expectation so that you can see your new normal. So don't be fooled by journeys. Don't be fooled by being a tent. No. We have been exposed to the best. Nothing but the best. If you came afterwards. And, and, and that's what I encourage you. Uh, just, just save up some money and go and stay. Spend a night. We were in the palace hotel. I'd never been there to the palace. And uh, we had a suite. A junior suite there. Oh my goodness. That whole... Yo, sure. Our suite was almost as big as this with the bath, with the toilets, with the lounge, with the bedroom and all of this. And, 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 uh, and you know, it was a wonderful thing. I want to encourage you that once in a while, spoil yourself. Yeah, go spoil yourself. Go into the Louis Vuitton shop. Not because you've got the money, but you want to expose yourself to your future. Feel the thing. Try it on. Put on the shoe. Ask for the right size. There's no charge. Then go to KFC. It's okay. <laughs> because you cannot go where you have not been. I just said something powerful. You've got to be there in your mind before you go there. As far as your eyes can see, you have to see yourself there in that standard. Yeah. Do that. Go to the garage. Go and, and, and go and say, look, I'm going to the Lambo garage today. Guys, we're going to have some ice cream, okay? But on the way, let's go visit Lamborghini. Lamborghini, daddy, you're going to buy? Yeah, we're going to buy a Lambo. Let's go and see what a Lambo feels like. Go in there. Talk to the salesman. Don't, 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 don't act like you don't belong. They can see right through you. Don't come say, eh. Uh, you know, <laughs> we're just wondering. If, uh, <laughs> walk in there like you are the boss. Walk in there like you got 10 million bucks in the bank. Like you're not even sure if you want a Lamborghini. Let's say, can I just see your range, the latest editions? I've been thinking. Yeah. Uh, how can I help you, sir? Oh, yeah. Now, can I see what's that model? Is that how many cylinders is that? And you know, how much horsepower? And uh, can we just take a feel of that? Uh, can I have the keys, please? No, I won't test drive it because, you know, today it's not so easy to get a test drive. But you can if in some places. And uh, they'll go with you. Just, just I want to feel. I want to just feel it. Boom. Boom. 
Nice. Switch it off, get out, and say, um, what about this model right over here? <laughs> Can I have a brochure? That's what we used to do, my wife and I. Before we bought fancy cars, we used to do that. Can I have a brochure, please? See, someone said exposure. You got to feel at home in your new normal. And you do that by exposure. I need to go on. We're talking about preparation, right? Mental preparation is key. So imagine yourself thriving in your new reality. The head always leads everything else. The head goes first. That means your mind must be ahead. Another one. Retrain, retool, and rebrand yourself if necessary. Retrain, retool. That means get new skills and rebrand yourself, how you package yourself if necessary for your new level. Dr. Antrines had me a conference in a couple of weeks in Durban about dressing for success. It's all part of the package of branding yourself. How you present yourself will determine how people respond to you. So it might be necessary for you to rebrand yourself. There's a whole seminar right there. Another one. Build the priorities, relationships, and habits required for success at the new stage. Build the priorities, relationships, and habits required for where you're going. Let me explain. Um, see, when I was back in the corporate as a young man, because I, I was in the corporate at 18, 19, you know my story, an executive, and um, I found out the key to promotion. And I used to get promotions every two, three months, as, and uh, you know, increments and all that. And uh, I, it's a simple process, actually. And here it is. Don't do the work of your job description alone. Do the work of your next job description. Put pressure for that work. So what I would do, I would do my work because I was a min in middle management. And when I'm finished, instead of playing games and goofing off, I'll go to my boss's door. Knock, knock, knock. Mr. Moore, uh, can I see you for a minute? He said, okay, come in, beg you, take a seat. I say, sir, here's the work you've given to me, but I don't have any work. And he look at me like, why are you complaining? You don't have work? I say, yes, I I'm sitting in my office. Can you give me some work, please? And he's like, but I don't have any work for you. I say, uh, sir, what are you doing right there? <laughs> I say, Peggy. I say, no, I'm preparing returns, you know, for the board and all that. Uh, can I help you with that, sir? I said, really? I said, yeah, can I help you? Well, how can I help you? And he started giving me work. Give me work. I do it. I come back. I say, sir, can I have more work? <laughs> okay. And then I would clean his desk out. And he'd go golfing. He liked to play golf. So I made sure he stayed out of the office. And I did all his work. Because I knew that they were going to start talking about promotions. So who is going to be promoted? It's the one that's already doing the work. Just obvious. Obvious. They would not get anybody else. I was already doing the work. Okay? So this is a principle, is that you start uh, building new habits, retooling, changing your, your, your priorities, Building the relationships required for success at the new stage. And use your faith to enter into the new thing. Tell your neighbor, you got to speak it. Yes, we got to speak it. And I'm not going to spend more time because I want to go further. We're talking about making a successful transition, are we not? So we need to learn to forget and let go of what was. Okay? 
I know that the children are, you know, busy because we don't have children's church. Just believe God with us because we can only book one room. But if we have more money, we can book another. Point made. <laughs> okay. It's just very costly, but please bear with us. Amen. And I know parents are doing their best. Amen. And the door is right here. But let's focus. Amen. Learn to forget and let go of what was. Because it's time has gone. So what am I saying? Commit to the new normal. That you're not going back to the old normal. Philippians chapter 3 verse 13 says, Brothers, I, count myself, I do not count myself to have attained. But this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind. Forgetting those things which are behind. And reaching forward to the things which are ahead. I press toward the goal of the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. So there's a forgetting involved. Are you, are you with me? Mm-hmm. Forget those things which are behind. Yes. And then 1 Corinthians 13, 11 says, When I was a child, I spoke as a child. I understood as a child. And I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. Notice it's a choice. Doesn't happen automatically. Okay? So the transition from youth to adulthood, which we now call adulting, is a major transition. Hey, I mean, I, I see the posts and I, and I, and I feel... <laughs> you know what young people go through and this world is more complicated than it was when we grew up it's not easy to to adult to become an adult okay it's a transition that's difficult to make it's a major transition that requires a conscious decision to put away childish ways and embrace responsibility self-discipline and prioritizing others Growing up and being an adult means you can think about others before you think about yourself. Simple. It's not about age. It's not about intelligence. It's not about personality. It's not about money. It's not about careers. It's about the ability to put someone else first. Whether it's a husband, whether it's children, whoever it is that you are able to take a step back and, may, and put the focus on somebody else. Childishness is me, 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 me. Always about me. So Paul says, I put away childish things. Transition, transition. I want to give you another quotation. Never give up on a dream just because of the time it would take to accomplish it. Time will pass anyway. You are going to get older. So don't give up on your dream. Amen? Let me go on. Slow down. I need to say that to myself. Slow down. Can you tell your neighbor, slow down? You're making a transition. Slow down. Slow your roll. If you want to tell your neighbor, slow your roll. Okay? Slow it. Slow it down. Don't try to rush the adjustment to the change. You are not in competition with anyone. A good grief counselor will let you know it's important not to rush the grieving process. A lot of times, grief lingers on to people for longer than it should. Because they tried to get over it too quickly. People wanted you to be strong. But you had not healed. And you pretended to be strong. But you're still bleeding. And so now there's possibility for infections. All of this 
playing the game, playing the role. And the good counselor will tell you, don't rush the process. Why am I saying this when it comes to transitions? Because there might be a grieving process involved. I'm going to be a psychologist, Dr. Beggy Kamenze now. I don't have a PhD for nothing. One of the reasons why we fail to make transitions is because we don't understand that can be a grieving process. And when I say grieving process, don't, don't think only about someone dying. No. A grieving process is whenever you're going to go through a sense of loss. Sometimes uh, people don't understand. Uh, 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 let me talk about a mother who became a mother without planning to be a mother. Now she's pregnant. And there's no guilt or shame about it. I'm talking about the psychological process. And now she's going to be forced to become a mother and let go of her freedom and liberty as a single woman or even a wife before she's ready. And in the process of that... She might be grieving that she will no longer have the liberty to go where she wanted to go, to do the things she wanted to do, because now there's going to be a somebody else going, demanding her time. Demanding her energy, demanding her physically. Are you hearing what I'm saying? I'm not being down upon being a parent. I'm talking about the issue of grieving that this person may have a hard time embracing motherhood because they're grieving the loss of their single uh, state of freedom and they weren't ready. could be any any kind of situation where someone's grieving the loss of something because now things have changed things have changed so deal with any sense of loss beloved deal with it don't be denying about it deal with it and uh <laughs> and, and i didn't understand this when i was young but i understand i see it in movies i never went through it I did not go through a grieving process when I got married. I was looking forward to it. <laughs> but I've seen some people who are getting cold feet and before they're married and, you know, they're crying. You're like, why are you crying? You're getting married tomorrow. I don't know why I'm crying. If you were to analyze it, could it be that they're actually grieving? That wow. Things are going to be different now. I'm not going to be able to do what I wanted to do. Now to talk and discuss, agree, you know, get permission, whatever. I'm going to submit. Hey, this submission story. You know, now the guy is like, Ish, i got to delete all these numbers from my phone before she sees them. <laughs> And now I can't just go and see my cherries when I feel like it. Now I must block and delete because now they're chasing me because I'm an item. Now I'm getting married. So I'm a rarity. And so now I can't go out and party with my buddies and my floozies. And I got to stick around with my wife. <laughs> Are you hearing what I'm saying? I'm not painting a black picture for you. I'm simply saying to you that many times there's a grieving process that we don't recognize and we must allow the grieving process to take place. If there's a sense of loss, a sense of anger, a sense of fear, a sense of guilt, we must deal with it and move on. Number four, be humble enough not to go it alone. Can I say that again? Be humble enough not to go it alone. Transitions are tough. Oh yeah. We, 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 we need somebody there to help us make a transition. We need somebody. Recognize that no one begins anything new as an expert. 
some people learn that late when they go into ministry. They go, oh, I can do that. It's easy. Just get the mic. Look important. Just shout. <laughs> oh, whatever. What's hard about that? Do that once a week. And you're a pastor. Hey. <laughs> and then they see the flames. <laughs> and they realize, I need help. I need someone to guide me through this. This, this is not as easy as it seems. Okay? No one begins anything new as an expert. Everybody enters in as a child. You become a couple as a child. You're not an expert. You're a child. You got your first baby. You're a child as a mother. Are you hearing what I'm saying? You got a new job. You're a child in that new job. You made a transition and started a business. You're a child in that business. Nobody begins as an expert. So we have to get help. Be humble enough not to go it alone. You need the guidance and wisdom of experienced people who have gone before you. Moses needed Jethro. Joshua had Moses. Elisha had Elijah. David had Samuel. Esther had Mordecai. Ruth had Naomi. Mary had Elizabeth. You need a mentor. You need a mentor. Can I hear your amen? We need midwives and encouragers. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, whenever um, we had a child and uh, most of the time except the last the two of them we were here in South Africa and uh, we needed a midwife we need midwives, we need people there and my mother was there as a, uh, and, and other people came when the time came you know, you can't do this alone I was there, praise the Lord holding my, I still got the fractures in my hand where she was squeezing these hands No, I don't. I don't. I'm kidding. Be humble enough not to go it alone. We need midwives. We need encouragers. We need inspiration. Gets discouraging along the way. Let me go on. And we're going to get towards a close. Recognize that sometimes you may feel overwhelmed. And that it's normal. Wow. When we had our firstborn, our firstborn, there was a euphoria of the birth. But I tell you, whew, I'm not sure if I was ready as a father for what would follow. Because I, I like my sleep. I'll be honest with you. I, I like my sleep. You know? So now... It's time for the baby to sleep. And the baby is crying. <laughs> so, you know, I'm thinking, okay, come on. Put the thing to bed. <laughs> What's wrong? What's wrong? What's wrong? Baby's hungry. Nursing. Okay. Then I'm just like... <sighs> then suddenly... Oh, like, okay. What is it? Oh, the baby needs to be changed. Okay, lights come on. Wow. Okay. Then change the diaper. Put the baby back to bed. But now the baby is wide awake. Now they want to play. <laughs> and I'm in the same bedroom and I'm like, hey, what time is it? It's two. Finally the baby goes to bed, sleep. And I'm like, Then oh, baggage. <laughs> Three thirty in the morning, huh? Hey, and then when I when I'm time for me to get up, now the baby's sleeping. I gotta go to work, 
and I haven't slept. I wasn't ready. <laughs> okay? There's going to be difficult times. You're going to feel overwhelmed. Now, sleep deprivation for one day is not an issue. Sleep deprivation for two weeks might be an issue. Sleep deprivation for a month is an issue. Sleep deprivation for years is definitely an issue. It's not going to be... I'm not discouraging you from having babies, okay? I'm just making a point. Someone say transitions. <laughs> Mothers know what I'm talking about. Fathers know what I'm talking about. It's not going to be easy. It's got His blessings and all that, but it's not going to be easy all the time. Sometimes you'll feel overwhelmed. You'll feel like you're sleepwalking. Okay? Through the day. You'll feel, you know, whatever kind of way. But it's, the feeling will pass and you will create a new normal. You'll create it. You'll cope. You'll manage it. You'll handle it. Because change is not easy. It takes a lot of effort. And remember, you're using emotional and mental, quote-unquote, muscles that you may have never used before. Okay? And I'm not going to go too deep because, boy, we had five children. And uh, shoot, this woman is a champion, my God. How she made it and how we made it through five, you know, is still a testimony to the glory of God. Because now you've got, <laughs> you've got an infant, just born a few months. You've got a toddler, two. You've got another toddler, four or five. Then you've got a child, six or seven years of age. Then you've got a preteen, nine, ten, or whatever. All in the same house. <laughs> it's not going to be easy. Okay? It's not going to be easy, but you can do it. Tell your neighbor, you can do it. Yeah, you can do it. It's normal. To feel, you see, once, once you're a parent, you understand another parent. <laughs> when you're not a parent, you don't understand another parent. Why is he looking so tired? You know you need to take a vacation. You're like, <laughs> yeah, I know I need a vacation, but I'm going to take this toddler with me. What kind of vacation is that going to be? So you need God's help. And God's grace. Yes, you, you do. Okay, and we have to ask Him for it. Someone said, if transition isn't painful, then you aren't making progress. Mm, that's true. So the question that we and I have to ask ourselves is, is it worth the effort and the pain? That's the question, isn't it? Hebrews chapter 12 verse 2 gives us an answer. It says, Let us look unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. I wanted to notice that what helped Jesus go through the pain of the cross was he was looking to a joy set before him. You got to have a joy before you. Tell your neighbor, you have to have a joy. In other words, you have to be looking forward to something. You got to have a dream. You got to have a goal. Because when you're going through that fire, going through that discomfort and so forth, you may not be able to make it if you don't feel it's not worth it. I want to tell you, things get abandoned in life for this one reason most of the time. That it comes to a point when it gets tough, a person decides it's not worth it worth it but someone else is going to say it's worth it and go through it it's not worth saving this it's not worth keeping this job it's not worth continuing with this business are you hearing what i'm saying you got to have a joy set before you you've got to have a dream before you you've got to have a hope before you there are some challenges but there are also joys set before you that you've ne before you that you've never experienced before there are joys of being a parent that are hard to explain 
It's amazing. That baby that kept you up for three days, three nights, now they've got a runny tummy and they've got a fever and they're teething and you didn't sleep for three days. All they need to do is look at you and just smile. And you're like, oh, that is washed away. Like, oh my goodness, this ton of cuteness right up in here. I could just hug you. It's amazing. Nobody who's not a parent will understand that. The joy of seeing the toddler get up and da 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 boom. Oh, look, look, get a get a camera. Get a camera. He's walking. He's walking. And everyone's like, they ain't walking, they're falling. But the parent is experiencing a joy that a non-parent cannot experience. And then the first time they say, Mama, Mama, hey, get the camera. I see, I told you he was going to say Mama before Dada. Yeah, he said, she said, Mama. She said, Mama. He's like, no, she's going to say Dada next week. Okay. See, you can't understand those joys. There are joys for every level. Every dimension that you can only experience when you are there. That first birthday or whatever it is that you're going to celebrate with that baby. Or being an adult. When you're able to, to buy the stuff of your own and say, now this is ours. We bought this. I still remember the first furniture we got. We got it at an auction at the American Embassy. And we bought this furniture. It was this kind of furniture without the gold and this kind of style. And we, all we had was a couple of pieces and a couch. Oh, we're so proud. Someone would say, is that all? That ain't nothing. Hey, we got it. <laughs> That's the difference. It's ours. Okay? We did it ourselves. Okay? We got this, we got that. Those are joys. The joy of becoming married. Oh, the joys of that. Oh, oh, let me tell you this. There are joys of becoming single again. I've talked to some people. Yay, who got delivered from a bad marriage. Woo, there's some happy people. They're like, oh, glory, hallelujah. I could shout right now. Woo, I'm free as a bird. Hallelujah. I'm free, free, free. Glory to God, I'm out of it. There are joys. Even about being single again. After being married. I'm not promoting being single again after being married. But I'm saying there's also a bright side. There's a bright side of being a grandparent. Mm, so God always has better ahead. I want to tell somebody today that better is ahead of you. Can you receive that this morning? Say, better is ahead for me. And I'm preparing for better. Glory to God. We are a church in transition. We are transitioning from one season to another. And I'm here to announce to you, it's going to be much better. We are changing for the better. Glory to God. It's going to get gooder and gooder and gooder. And I'm closing with this point. Prepare, preserve the memories of the stage you are leaving. But celebrate the one you are entering into. I'll say it again. Preserve the memories of the stage you are leaving. But celebrate the new one you are entering into. Don't waste your memories. Don't waste them. Proverbs chapter 4 verse 18 says... But the path of the just is as a shining light that shines more and more unto the perfect day. The path of the just is like the shining light, just as a shining light that shines more and more unto the perfect day. So for the righteous, things are always going to be brighter. They're always going to be better, stage by stage. That's my faith. That should be your declaration. It's always going to get better. Hallelujah. Yeah, there'll be a time when I might have to grieve because I can't do some of the things I used to do when I was this age or that age. But it's going to get better and better in other ways, in other areas. 
And if I'm willing to see it, I'll celebrate the season I'm moving into and preserve the memories of the stage that I left. Someone said, and I'm getting to a close, when shifts and transitions shake you to the core, see that as a sign of greatness that's about to occur. When shifts and transitions shake you to the core, see that as a sign of greatness that's about to occur. I want to declare that greatness is coming forth out of your life in the mighty name of Jesus. That no matter how much we may be shaken, we may be moved, we may be whatever, we may be going through in a season of transition in your life, celebrate the fact that you are entering into something better, something greater in the name of Jesus. There's always a good side to everything, no matter what it is. The reason why weddings are important is because there are times of celebration of what is ahead. They haven't lived together. Well, they should not. They're celebrating already. They're anticipating already what is ahead. But get this, you don't stop celebrating on the wedding day. You celebrate every stage, every victory, every anniversary. You celebrate every good thing that happens in that marriage. And after years and years of celebrating, you find that it's been a wonderful, wonderful journey. So I'm encouraging you tonight, today, beloved, celebrate every milestone and every victory during your transition. Is that helpful to anybody today? Let's give God praise. Stand